Rogers Business App Market brings together the right apps for your business and wraps it all up with Rogers world-class support. Microsoft Office 365 makes it easy. Whether you need to securely store and backup files, access or share documents in the cloud, collaborate with your team or manage your business from anywhere and on any device. Plus, with support from Rogers, you'll get everything up and running quickly. To learn more, visit rogers.com forward slash business apps. Scotiabank understands that business is personal and your business has unique needs. That's why we offer flexible solutions for your business banking. Create your own business banking package that works for you by opening an account online in minutes with ease and start saving today. Visit scotiabank.com forward slash small business to get started. Sharing the journey of real Canadian changemakers and the impact they have on the world we live in. It's Rivers Corbett on the Startup Canada podcast. Welcome to the Startup Canada podcast, a show serving Canada's entrepreneurship community. On this show, we connect you with the most innovative and entrepreneurial movers, shakers, and change makers across Canada. With day in the life stories and in their shoes experiences, we dive into the true grit of running startup and scale up companies and those driving the entrepreneurial movement. The Startup Canada podcast show is a production of Startup Canada, the national rallying community for Canada's 2.3 million entrepreneurs. If you are a regular show listener, welcome back. If you're new to the program, hey, don't forget to subscribe to the show on iTunes and Google Play Music and visit startupcan.ca to connect with both your local startup community and to join Startup Canada to access training, resources, and a peer network to grow your success. I'm Rivers Corbett and entrepreneurship is part of my DNA. Whether it's building my own companies or helping other entrepreneurs build theirs, this is my lane. Want to connect after the podcast? You can find me at www.meetrivers.com. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I'm just thrilled on the Startup Canada podcast today to have this budding entrepreneur whose startup has been selected by a number of exciting accelerators such as Creative Disruption Lab and Techstar New York. Graham Mann is the co-founder of Lean Systems, a Montreal-based business solving the optimization problems for the transportation industry. The company automates scheduling and routing for the enterprise level customers with over 3,000 routes scheduled per month, Lean Systems is poised to transform the transportation industry. Graham has also mentored over 100 companies at Founder Institute, Startup Weekend, and Techstars Boston along the way. And for this exemplary community leadership, he has won 2017 Startup Canada Young Entrepreneur Award. If you ever catch him in the East, shore sailing or kiteboarding, you will see that he's all about making his days full of fun adventures, and this includes, of course, entrepreneurship. On today's podcast, we're going to talk to Graham about what it means to book a one-way ticket to the entrepreneurial adventure. Man, I love our script writers. Welcome to the Startup Canada podcast show, Graham. Thanks so much for having me. 
So Graham, it's great to have you on the show. Um, tell us how you went from from sailing in Nova Scotia to being responsible for uh, you know automating scheduling for well over three thousand routes per month. An amazing journey. That's a good question. Um, I originally met my co-founder during Founder Institute here in Montreal. So Founder Institute's kind of a early stage incubator and it focuses more on developing entrepreneurs rather than developing companies, which is more the focus of accelerators. And we were working on separate projects at the time, but kept in touch over over a number of years and um, eventually he asked me to join and, and I eventually the timing worked out, so I paired up with him. And that's sort of the process. We stayed in touch through that. And we obviously spent a lot of time working together during the program. So we knew, you know, how each other worked and so on. And I went through a variety of different things over the kind of 18 months following Founder Institute. And it was during that time we started to have discussions about potentially teaming up and what that would look like. And so, okay. Tell us about your, your first customer, because I'm interested in that customer that, uh, that came to you, um, that, uh, I mean, this is, this is kind of hard stuff. This is a concept that you're bringing to them. How did you ultimately get that first customer? Can you, uh, I can give you the example of our first client who was based here in Montreal and they, provide paratransit services. So not many people are familiar with this, but paratransit essentially is a part of the public transit system that not many people know about. And it's the part of the public transit system that's provided for people with disabilities, people who aren't mobile, whether it's you know because of a disability or because of age or whatever reason. But basically they have to be picked up at their door and driven somewhere. And the way this works is you call or submit online a request to, in this case in Montreal, it's the STM is the transport system, but whatever it is in any city. And they gather those. And then basically the night before they have to go and schedule them. And here in Montreal, uh, that means anywhere from 800 to 1200 requests for the next day. And obviously that's a very big, difficult problem. <laughs> so... So the way they work is they basically cut off reservations around 9 p.m. Uh, they send them all to us. We crunch the numbers, so to speak, and that's basically a list of here's how many drivers we have, the driver classifications, when they're going to work, uh, all that stuff, as well as the list of pickups and destinations. And basically we'll sort through that problem and send them back uh, a list for each driver with the pickups and drop-offs that they're going to do every day. And these days that takes less than an hour for sure. Um, so Graham, I got to ask you this question. Um, you know, you guys work quite closely together. You're Sebastian. Um, can you talk to us about, you know, how are you partners professionally, but also personally, there's got to be some, uh, some interesting uh, strategies that you've used uh, to ultimately make that all work. Thankfully, Sebastian and I communicate very well and, we are similar thinkers, or at least we understand how each other thinks. So, I mean, we had spent lots of time together. We, when we went to New York for Techstars, we were living together in the same apartment um, for four months. So we were within 15 feet of each other, probably 23 hours a day. Um, 
but it was it was fine. I mean, when you mix professional and personal that much, I think you do have to spend a little time away. So he tended to work in the apartment on weekends. My preference was to go work at a library or a cafe or something. So typically on the weekends, I would go and that would be my my time alone and so on. But uh, yeah, I mean, I think as long as as long as you make sure that if you know you're bothered by something, you communicate it clearly. Which for us, we're lucky it doesn't happen much. But when it does, you have to be willing to bring it up. What uh, what get you interested in the transportation industry? Uh, you know, we talked about you, you guys hung out um, and and it's been a great journey, but, you know, there's lots of opportunities out there. What was it that you personally connected with when it came to creating a company that automates scheduling and routing for enterprise level customers? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, originally, Se- Sebastian wanted to do movie scheduling. Ah, movie so, scheduling. Yeah. Wow. So during Founders to the original idea was to schedule movies or TV shows, basically productions. And as you can imagine, when you actually break it down, the underlying technology is not that different. To produce a movie, you have a limited number of people working on the movie who have set schedules. They need to be in various different places at different times. There's certain combinations that work. So you need to have the film crew in the same place that the makeup artists are at the same time. And there's a bunch of constraints and so on. So when you break it down, it's not that different a problem. But I knew nothing about movies and wasn't that interested. Eventually, he pivoted (laughs) to transportation. And even in the early days, I wasn't totally convinced, mostly just because I didn't know enough about the industry. So... I'm sure it was quite frustrating for him, but we chatted for probably four months, maybe six months before I agreed to join. And a lot of those discussions were him basically pitching the, where they, where the business was, where he thought it was going to go. And me asking questions about the technology and the different industries and where it might be applicable. And then going off and doing some research, we'd have another discussion a few weeks later because I'd have a bunch more questions. And eventually what really sold me is once I got my head around the technology and how powerful it was, the impact the business could have and the level of technology really appealed to me too. So I'd been involved in some businesses before where the differentiation wasn't necessarily the underlying technology. It was more the market that you had to get eventually. So you know, most marketplace businesses, at least in the early days, the technology is not that amazing. I mean, it's, you know, a website like Craigslist or something similar, but the value comes when everyone uses that, that site and that's how it becomes defensible. And in our case, there are some of those network effects, but the underlying technology was powerful enough that it was interesting to me and that that in itself was valuable. And then the impact it could have, I mean, once I grasped how, how easily it could scale to different industries and the impact that could have in terms of improving efficiency, efficiency of cities, environmental efficiency, uh, that was what ultimately sold me. So really the, once I grasped the grand vision, I guess, 
uh, and potential for the company. That was when I was really excited. So grand visions are, uh, are something that is driving you with lean systems. Um, I want to ask you one more question about lean systems before we scoot on to the founder Institute, your mentoring tech stars. And, uh, and of course you've receiving the award for 2017 startup Canada, young entrepreneur award. Um, the uh, tell us what's the growth for uh, for for lean systems right now where's the where's the next two years take you guys our so we we brought on board our first aviation clients this year which we're really excited about so growth wise i mean we have some internal targets but probably more importantly than that we're we want to really create an awesome experience for these first few clients Yes, um, we're we're targeting business aviation, which is a relatively small industry in terms of sort of the the community, and so we want to really do a great job with our first couple of clients in the industry because that I think will pay off in in growth down the road because the, just because the reputation is so important, and so our really is the first half of this year we're really focused on sort of that and and learning as much as we can. And then the latter half of the year, we're, we're aiming to continue bringing on some business aviation clients. And our next, I guess the next informal milestone in our, in our head is, is 10 customers. And we should, uh, we're, we're definitely aiming to hit that before the end of the year. Very cool. My guess is that you somehow got an interest in aviation because I hear you're a kite boarder. Yeah, I uh, the the two. <laughs> I was I was surprised to learn that the two are somewhat related. <laughs> yeah. uh, I was probably flying a little more than I expected to. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, <laughs> but no, I mean I've always had an interest in aviation. I did my degree in mechanical engineering, so oh, uh, cool. Was, uh, was aviation related, of course. That's very cool. Well, you also mentored over 100 uh, companies at Founder Institute Startup Weekend in Techstars Boston. Uh, can you tell us about that journey as a mentor? In particular, what I'm interested in, uh, in addition to that question, is what do you recommend that companies who are looking for mentors make sure they give to the mentor? And I'm not talking about, here's some documentation. I'm talking about this so the relationship is received as a win-win. Yeah, that's a very important question. And it's not always easy. Um, I mean, the mentoring I've done, I think 100 you know, companies is generous. Um, often that might just be sort of doing a session with each company at a startup weekend. But I think in terms of Getting mentors, I think, A, you want to focus on longer-term relationships with fewer mentors. I think that's where you get a lot of the value. You'll find lots of people who will, who will offer sort of first impressions on your business. And I think in the very early days, that's very valuable. And it's certainly very valuable to get a bunch of different perspectives on where you could go. And it'll help you answer some of the immediate questions that will come. Right. But as you progress with your company, that will become less and less valuable just because they don't have the context to know where you're at with the business. So as your company progresses, I think you want to shrink the pool of mentors to some really fantastic ones that are going to be deeply involved. And then in yeah, terms it, of getting those mentors. Sorry, Graham, I'm just going to pause you yeah. for a sec. How would you suggest that someone go about 
narrowing that down to you know the the the, the, the select the, the the premium group that you should really be hanging out. Is there certain tricks of the trade that you would suggest that people go through? Yeah, I think you want to look initially. You definitely want to look for things that you lack. So, if you're a highly technical founding team. You probably want to look for marketing, sales, business-related right. mentors. You definitely want to look for parallel situations. So it doesn't have to be the same industry, but if you're looking for a sales mentor, the and your you know enterprise sales deals that are over 100k a year, you, your ideal sales mentor is not going to be a SaaS guy who's selling you know freemium yeah, software. Right on. Right on. Because they're not really parallel. Yeah. So parallel situations rather than industries, I think, is, is valuable. Industry-specific advice is also valuable. Uh, but you should consider those two things separately. Right. And then once you have sort of a pool, I think engagement is key. Right. So we've had lots of mentors who one might have extremely deep experience in one industry but the reality is if they're not going to be there to check in with you or respond to your newsletters and offer advice and so on, then they're right, not very right. valuable. So someone who's going to be highly engaged with you and, and really try and help you is going to be far more valuable and should be, I think, how you select that sort of final group of, of and, and, and vice versa. If you're going to ask for their engagement, make sure that you're not, you're fulfilling your commitments, uh, but also you're working on the relationship just as much as any, just as much as they are. Sure. And that, I mean, it doesn't take a lot to maintain that sort of relationship. I mean, the mentors you're going to be looking for are super busy people. And it's usually just as little as, you know, hey, I'm going to be in town tomorrow are you by any chance free for coffee or lunch or whatever? And, you know, you can talk about the company for an hour and they'll be usually more than happy. Yeah. And even if they're busy, then, you know, at least they know that you va- you value their relationship and you're thinking about them. Yeah. And you research. And that's another reason why you want to have a small group versus a large group. So you can, uh, you can strengthen that engagement and, and keep it active. Um, you've been through uh, the, um, the creative destruction lab, Techstar New York and so on. Can you talk to our audience about the value that you've got? I mean, you're, you're a Montreal based guy from, um, from Nova Scotia. And yet you ended up going to creative construction uh, lab, which is in, in Toronto, is it not? Yep. yep. And, and also the one in Techstars in New York. So, you know, when a lot of people look at accelerators, uh, they say, oh, if it's not in my own backyard, I can't, one, take advantage of it. Uh, and two, why even bother considering it? So my, my question is to you, what would your mindset be to people about, one, exploring doing accelerators and two, doing accelerators outside of you know an hour away from their home? Yeah, that's a great question. And one I get asked often is sort of, why did you go there? Or we're thinking about doing this. How do we choose? And I think ultimately there has to be, you should, you should have a good reason, but there probably only needs to be one really good reason to do an accelerator. So in our case, New York City is a big transportation hub. The pool of mentors there is 
amazing. And from an investment perspective, mm-hmm. it was a network that we didn't have and we felt Techstars could introduce us to. The Techstars network itself, I think, holds a lot of value now. They've done a great job cultivating that. So formally being introduced to that network is extremely valuable. And then the final criteria for us was kind of what does the what does the managing director of that program look like? What is their track record like? What's the mm. team there like? And do we think ultimately that they will, you know, be of be of immense value for us? And probably one of those reasons alone was enough. Um, but you know, for for the investment side, we went through the list and said, okay, who who do they list as you know people that they're going to introduce us to from the investment side? Would we be able to get these connections otherwise? Do we think they'll accelerate the connections even if we think we can get them otherwise? New York City itself, what are the advantages? How many other transportation companies are based there? Can we find out why they decided to be based there? Do we think that'll be an advantage from a sales point of view? And then asking around. So asking previous companies that have gone through the program, what were your expectations going in? How did they line up with what you got from the program? Would you recommend it and why? What are your thoughts on the managing director, et cetera? And for us, in the end, there, there, for all the reasons above, we, had, we decided to go. I think if, if one of them had been an emphatic yes, it would have been enough. Right. And the program was fantastic. Um, and so you have to do a little bit of a, in, in Techstars case, you're giving up some equity, but you also get some money. And so you have to do a bit of a, a cost analysis. Creative Destruction Lab is a little different because it's free and there, it, there's no obligation. Uh, and actually, I think they have programs in Halifax and Montreal now as well. <laughs> yeah, I was just about to uh, tell you that exactly right. They just launched their first one in Halifax in uh, September or October this year. Yeah, so, you know, the the cost-benefit analysis will be a little different for that because you're, yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, it's hard time to find reasons against aside from maybe the time commitment. Right. Uh, if it's a free program. But that's sort of the thinking I think everyone should go through. And you shouldn't go to an accelerator just because you got in. I mean, there's plenty right. of bad accelerators out there. Yeah. But often I think they could certainly be a game changer. And that's been my experience. Well, and that's what I love about the conversation of going somewhere else is that you don't have to go to the ones just because they're only accessible to you. There's other opportunities and flexibilities built into you going to other other accelerators uh, around the world. So uh, you need to look to them, find out which is best for you using questions like you just uh, referenced. Um, you know, this is pretty cool. We're talking to the Startup Canada's entrepreneurs, Young Entrepreneur of the Year for 2017. Many congratulations on uh, on winning that award. It was a great evening and uh, a well-deserved award. I want you to take us out uh, as the Young Startup Entrepreneur of the Year for all of Canada uh, with with the words of wisdom, one piece that you think along your journey uh, with your company that uh, you would say, this is something I learned that I didn't really uh, expect and it would be valuable to our listeners. Sure. I think I, I've been through a lot of programs now and you go through various stages of 
not necessarily starstruck, but you know, you go to see a talk from someone who's sort of successful and then you meet someone who's moderately successful and then you meet someone who's extraordinarily successful, at least from a monetary point of view. And I think what impacted me a lot was the realization along the way that, you know, no one is, I mean, everyone's, everyone's smart and, you know, successful founders are all clever in one way or another, but they're not superhuman. And a lot of the time, what differentiates successful startup founders from those who aren't is just persistence. And there's lots of stats out there, but, you know, the average founding age of an exit in Silicon Valley is something in the 40s. And all basically what it comes down to is if you want to be successful in entrepreneurship, it just requires trying enough. And I think that it took me a long time to get my head around that and mm-hmm. that for some reason these, you know, these successful people weren't just these amazingly clever, smart individuals who... Right. You, know, you, could, you could never hope to be, but rather yeah. they were just people who, who kept going when, when others gave up. I love it. I love it. I've heard that a few times in guests that I've had, and uh, I love that that's a great closing point. I think it's very important, and uh, it's uh, it's why, by the way, my theory is the B's and C students are the ones that do best as entrepreneurs because they failed so many times and had to keep trying along the way. Uh, so uh, I'm glad that you reinforced that, Graham. It's been a real pleasure talking to you, sir. Uh, I so much appreciate your time, and I wish, uh, wish you guys continued success in your your business you're solving real problems in a very cool way and and in many different industries too so uh, keep on rocking and uh, thanks for your time today thanks very much and thanks so much for having me no problem at all take care bye-bye thank you for joining us this week on the startup canada podcast a show dedicated to unlocking the entrepreneurial potential of every entrepreneur with access to inspiring stories and tangible lessons to help you run your business want access to resources and support to grow your business visit startupcan.ca for the latest startup community news and upcoming events like our popular hashtag startup chats on twitter every wednesday and friday at 12 p.m eastern till next week i'm rivers corbett leaving you with a sneak peek of next week's episode. Hi, this is Chris Snoyer, co-founder and CEO of Spiffy. You're listening to the Startup Canada podcast with Rivers Corbett. Okay, so let's get back to the world of technology in uh, to restaurateurs, the owners, the managers. You know, typically, you know, one, it's difficult to get them to, uh, I guess, gravitate towards more technology. Yes, there's technology in place now, but then it's even more difficult to get them to actually use it. So you've got you've you've got that process where I th- you know I can instantly see the value proposition, real easy. It's an easy entry point, free of charge. Um, so when they start to, when you get a couple of clients, how do you get them to actually engage? And what's the motivation behind them that your strategy to get them to actually use it with their uh, with their staff? I'm saying at the very basic level, so they get to play around with it. Yeah, it's. I mean, that's a very good question because that is the hardest thing about our job. Um, I mean, you know, with some restaurant experience, they've been doing a lot of things the same way for a long time. Yes. Um, so a lot of a lot of the action and a lot of the, the spurring of the action and the way that that people kind of cling to us early on uh, is because a lot of them know that they need change. Um, you know, there's that that increased uh, wage is coming soon, and that's going to put a lot of pressure on restaurants. So they are. They do want to find new ways to do things that are a little bit more efficient. 
Uh, I think we've done a good job with our business model of making it accessible to restaurants of all sizes. You know, that first client, they were a, a chain with 30, 40 locations. Yes. Um, but a lot of the interest that we get is from uh, small independent restaurants mm-hmm. where, you know, they've looked at the Boston pizzas of the world who have, you know, spent tons of money and employed their own engineers to build uh, their own internal tools but these independent restaurants don't have access to that so uh, we've kind of changed that and actually um, you know one of our one of our favorite clients is an ex-Boston pizza guy um, who who was just really happy to see that someone had made this available for for the kind of for the little guys who need that help yeah and so you got the you got the engagement piece happening from the manager's perspective but uh, then how do you do it with the actual employees so um so that they're using it do you is there a yeah so we've got it's a different sorry to interrupt is there a different strategy for them versus the manager yeah, we're working on a bunch of stuff, and that's a that's a riddle we're we're still trying to solve. We do have a mechanism within our within our app where uh, they can be rewarded directly within it, right. uh, either, either from their employer for completing the training um, or from the from the brewer if they want to deliver a reward. Um, we will be amping that up to include um, a little bit more rate. Like we want to get a points based system going where they're you know earning points to cash in for. Uh, things like concert tickets and stuff like that. Right. Uh, we're also looking at some stuff on a larger scale where you know there's a lot of restaurant tech out there right now. We're trying to work on some partnerships where we can get some kind of pr- cross-platform rewards right. where if they're engaging with a bunch of tools that will make them better and will lift this industry up a little bit, that we're rewarding them for that. 